0: get to Colossians 3, look up and say, God is good. good. And all the time, God is good. Anyone else? Church of Christ raised? No. <laughs> okay, just me. And Stu. <laughs> all right, starting in verse 12, 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen, chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you. So you must also forgive. And above all else, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. This is the word of the Lord. Please direct your attention to the screen. Well, good morning, West Side and 11 o'clock. We are glad that you are here today and just want to say hello to everybody on the live stream as well. We had a lot of people saying, I'm going to be in the woods. You're going to have the live stream. I was like, I mean, you could come to church, but no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We got the live stream going, so we're so glad everybody joined us today. Hey, um, we bring to conclusion our series uh, entitled Home. And what we've done over the month of November is we knew that the holidays were coming. And so Thanksgiving and Christmas, and we've been in the game long enough to know that for a lot of people, this time of year is more heartbreaking than it is sometimes heartwarming. And so what we wanted to do is we just wanted to look at the scriptures and we wanted to see some principles that would maybe help lead us and guide us. As a family, Uh, there's language about the family all through Scripture. But before we dive in today, we end the series today, but next Sunday we start um, our journey of Advent. And so Advent is when we pause in the busy chaos of everything that is Christmas. Traditionally, Christians have observed Advent, the arrival, the coming of Jesus Christ. And so can you believe that next Sunday is Christmas? Like, that's I'm, like I'm sorry, December It's not Christmas, but it's December, which leads us to Christmas. And it's just crazy to think about that. One of the things that we wanna do to equip you is, next Sunday, we're gonna have a whole kit for your whole family. So Parker Williams, who sits on our board and is our community group director, put together, put in a lot of hard work for this Advent devotional guide. And so what this is gonna do is, each day, is going to give you some scripture to read, some thoughts, and then some prayers. And what it does is it leads you up to Christmas. And like if you've never celebrated Advent, what Advent does is it almost gives you like an angst. It's almost like, oh man, is it coming? It's dark, is, it, is the Savior coming? And it just completely changes the way that you celebrate the holiday season. And also um, what we like to do is anytime we start a new series, we just extend it and say, hey, if you've got a friend or a family member um, who's maybe uh, you know, asking questions about Christianity or the Bible or this, that, and the other, this is a great time. The um, Pew Research put out said that about 88% of non-believers and non-churchgoers would attend a holiday service like Christmas, Easter, all of that stuff if they were simply asked I mean, that's incredible. That's a great mission field for you guys. So just ask that you would lay that before some friends and family members and as we prepare um, for our holiday season. And so as we're bringing this to a close today, I was reminded our students are at MYF, which is Missouri Youth Fellowship, sort of a state youth convention. They go and celebrate and um, worship Jesus with their other peers. And it reminded me as I was preparing this sermon and also thinking about, when I used to take students to MYF, I was a youth pastor um, up in St. Louis at Southside Church of God. And when I got there, they had this uh, youth bus, okay? And um, this guy had bought it like off eBay. He just bought it off eBay. And this thing was constantly breaking down and he bought it off eBay and then like, came to the board meeting and was like, hey, I bought this van. I need a reimbursement check, right? Because <laughs> that's what you do in student ministry. You do things and then ask for forgiveness later, and then it just kind of happens. So we were constantly working on this van. But I'll never forget, it's like three hours or so, and the students are getting ready to come. We're getting ready to leave. I think we're going to Kansas City or something like that. And so I was getting ready to pull the church van around, make sure it was gassed up, you know, turn it on and get the heat going and this, that, and the other, and it wouldn't start. So I go in, I tell the pastor, Pastor John, he used to be a mechanic before he was called into ministry. And so he was like, man, let's, you know, walk through the checklist, if you will. And so finally we figured out, or he figured out. I didn't figure out nothing, okay? <laughs> he figured out that it was the fuel pump or the fuel injector. Is that the right thing? The carburetor? I don't know what I'm saying, okay? But it ended up being like the fuel pump so the engine wasn't getting fuel. So he said, hey, we can change this out real fast. Run down to you know AutoZone or whatever it is and then get this and then we can do it. We had students and parents showing up in the parking lot, bags ready to go. And we are under this van and it's like spraying gas everywhere and all this type of stuff. And those poor parents, like I didn't have a kid back then, right? And so I like didn't care. I was like load up in the van. And all these parents are like, can we pray before they go, you know, on this journey and on this trip? And as I was thinking about the topic that we're getting into today, um, it's a lot like that. You see, in in, in order for us to, to move forward and continued in the journey, we needed some fuel in the tank and in the engine to make it happen. And what we're going to talk about today is the fuel in the tank. Well, here's the big idea. Forgiveness is the fuel that keeps a family moving forward all the time. There's a lot of families on the side of the road, if you will, broke down and we're not moving forward and we're at a standstill and there's a crisis and something's happened and we can't move beyond this point. And what the scriptures teach is the answer to that is forgiveness. And so this is something that I teach about all the time, even when I do um, premarital counseling, right? Um, So I give uh, the definition of marriage, and you know, the definition of marriage is two sinners in close proximity to one another, right? But then I ask, you know, tell me what love is. What is love? Like, not the song, but I just ask that. Then I ask, um, tell me what forgiveness is. Because if you don't have forgiveness... The marriage will never move forward. Parents, if you don't understand forgiveness, the family's not going to move forward. And when we come to this idea of forgiveness and we look at the scriptures, I mean, hello, um, Christians should be on team forgiveness. That's like what this whole thing about is, this whole thing's about for us. In the New Testament, the word forgiveness is used 146 times. And then Jesus, right? We love Jesus here. We think Jesus is a big deal. Um, Jesus is constantly talking about this idea of forgiveness. Even when the disciples are like, Lord, teach us how to pray. Jesus, I mean, or we say it every Sunday here. Jesus just drops the forgiveness card even in prayer. You're like, really? Really? I was wanting to learn how to like pray fire down from heaven or I don't know, right? But forgiveness and then the night That he was to be betrayed. Last meal. I mean, that's pretty important. This is the last conversation you're having with your guys, right? Jesus says, well, I'll just read it to you. And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for... Hey, Jesus, why would you die? Hey, Jesus, why did your blood have to be poured out? Hey, Jesus, what's this thing about? For, because... The forgiveness of sins. And then when he uh, is being tortured by the Roman government, the most excruciating. Did you know that the word excruciating actually means from the cross? It's the etymology of the word. And so when nails are being driven through his hands and through his feet, what does this guy say? (laughs) This is why Jesus is the most compelling person in history to me. There's nobody else. Buddha. I mean, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. This Jesus stands apart from anybody else in human history. And on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I mean, it's unbelievable. This idea of forgiveness in the scriptures is central. And then when we look at this idea of the family, it's huge for us. But listen, I know Um, I've been pastor long enough that I know today what we're going to talk about is very difficult. Um, Unfortunately, uh, the family is supposed to be the safest place. It's where we learn love. But for some of us, um, it was the most dangerous place. And so I understand, okay? But what I'm asking today is right before you come into the chapel, there's a scripture on that back wall that says today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. I would just ask that you would open up your heart and mind to what the Lord has for us today. If you want any more background on this, we spent six weeks um, in a a book of the Bible called Philemon. You're like, what? Exactly, it's in the back, okay? Um, You can go to our website. We did some extensive study about this idea of forgiveness. But if there's anything that I've learned about this topic, it's that we try to compartmentalize it. So we go, yeah, yeah, this is my life. I got this going on. And the forgiveness thing, it's just this thing. It's just this thing. But in reality, um, unforgiveness actually bleeds into every area of our life, whether you like it or not. And and it's 2019, like it's going to be 2020. That sounds like a Steven Spielberg movie, doesn't it? That's unbelievable. And one of the things that we have is a lot of study about the human brain, the human condition. We're mind, body, soul, okay? You can't separate any of that. And one of the things that I've learned is that unforgiveness is unhealthy. Anybody who lives in a state of unforgiveness is unwell in a myriad of areas in their life. Um, The first one would be that science would tell you psychologically, um, unforgiveness makes us psychologically unwell. That Did you know that when you have a negative experience or trauma in your life, that it forms pathways in your brain? I was just at a parent-teacher conference um, for one of my kids and the teacher said, you know, Andy Grace, she's learning so much and every time she gets a concept, I see her eyes light up and then she said this, I see those pathways forming in her brain. That did you know that when you live in a state of unforgiveness, that pathway keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger? And unfortunately, that's literally how you tend to think. But it's not just that, it's also physically unwell. I mean, any doctor would tell you that stress in the mind reveals itself in the body. That's a fact, okay? And you can almost always link stress to anger and then to anger, to hurt, and then to hurt, to unforgiveness. And so absolutely it wreaks havoc on our bodies, but not just physically, but also emotionally. I mean, if, if we deal with this idea of unforgiveness and it's a way in which we live our life, um, hey hey guys, guys, look up here. Can we have a conversation real quick? It's okay, there's just a couple hundred other people in the room, all right? Um, we're not good at this because we were never taught this. Okay, so John Wayne lied to you, all right? I'm a, hey, I'm a fan, I lo- all right? I love John Wayne, love the Duke, all right? but we don't know what to do with our emotions. And most guys always revert to anger because that's the emotion that's always been there. So, oh no, hurt, grief, sadness, depression, I don't know what to do with that, so now I'll be angry. And most of the time you can trace that to an issue of unforgiveness. And it literally shapes how we even deal with our own emotions. But it's not just emotionally, but it's also relationally. People who live in a constant state of unforgiveness don't have a lot of friends because I'm either going to get hurt by you, probably, so I'll sabotage this before you hurt me. And so it affects all of our relationships. But the last one that I've learned over the years that the Scripture has a lot to say is that unforgiveness leads to spiritual unwellness. There was a verse that was just read to you um, through Ephesians. Hey, 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 by the way, are you a fan of the Bible? How much Bible we have in our service, right? I love that. That's great. If you don't care, it doesn't matter. All right, so here we go. Um, But it said, uh, be angry and do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. And then it was like something about the devil, right? You're like, what? Right? Then it said something about like, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, The Apostle Paul's writing to a church in Corinth, and he says these words. Anyone whom you forgive, I also forgive. Indeed, what I have forgiven, if I have forgiven anything, it has been for your sake in the presence of Christ. Here it is. So that we would not be outwitted by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his designs, schemes, Paul, I, you know, you might need decaf coffee, okay? Because that, what? That's intense, man, okay? All we have is a little church conflict going on, and you're like, forgive each other, because if you don't, Satan. And you're just like, what? Right? Um, listen, unforgiveness is demonic. Because Satan and his demons are unforgiven beings. That's why in 1 Peter it says that this gospel that you have, angels long to look into it. That when you come to the table today, that literally the angels are jealous of what we get to have. That this salvation that dwells inside of us and the angels sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, that they don't even get to taste of what we get to experience. And that if there's anything that the enemy can use in your life to get a foot in the door, it's unforgiveness because then that leads to bitterness. And so today what we're gonna look at is in Colossians, the apostle Paul's writing to a church. And and it's so interesting when we learn this, right? That Paul's writing to a group of believers, a church. And in Ephesians and Colossians and Philippians and all of these letters, he's constantly having to say like, hey, 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 y'all are mean, okay? (laughs) Like to a church. And, And he says, you guys need to forgive each other. You guys need to learn how to do this thing. And which I think, I mean, we could preach a whole sermon on that because if you think that, listen, Westside's not a perfect church by far. I think we're a good church and we're trying. But if you think that this is a place where you will come and you will never be hurt by anyone, those are unreal expectations. This is a place where if we sin against each other, we don't bail, we don't just leave but we experience the grace of God that he has given us in Christ through forgiving one another. So if a church family has to learn how to forgive each other, then surely these principles would make sense for our family as well, right? So we're gonna see two things today. We're gonna see the mandate to forgive and then the motivation to do that. So the first thing that we see is this, the mandate to forgive. It's right there in verse 13. Bearing with one another, And if one has a complaint against each other, surely not. This is church, and we're Christians, and we love the Lord, right? And so he said the word "complaints" actually not used. uh, The word, the style that he uses, um, it means a charge. If you have a complaint against each other, then so what's the solution? Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. Here it is right here. I'm, I'm drawing this point from this phrase. So you also, what's the next word? Oh, this is a Bible church. We've got our Bibles open. We good right now, okay? So you also must, must forgive. Must. The way that he writes it is, um, it's an indicative. It means that it's a command. It's not optional. It's you must forgive, right? So in the literal translation of what Paul is saying is, this: you must do this. And then then Jesus just backs it up again, right? In Mark 11. And whenever you stand praying, Jesus is describing what's going on at the temple. How great is this? I would love, I would live for this as a pastor if this broke out in our church service. This right here. Jesus is saying, hey, if you're at the temple and you're worshiping and you're praying and then you realize that if you have anything against someone, um, drop what you're doing and go talk to that person. I would love that. I would love if right in the middle of worship, right, somebody comes up and goes, hey, Brother Jason, I I gotta go. What's wrong, man? We're like, we're in the thing right now, man. I have a complaint against someone and I need to go talk about it. Wow. So that you must forgive as your father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. Oh, whoa, this is getting serious. Here's what I'm trying to say. As Christians, when we follow Jesus, forgiveness is not optional, okay? So maybe you're a non-believer, okay? And we're so glad that you're here today peeking over the fence. This is something you need to know right off the bat, that if we are on the same path as Jesus, the town that Jesus is going to is called forgiveness, okay? Population, not many, all right? But that's where he's headed, and, and, and most of us in our life, we come to Christ and we're like, all right, man, I want to get this thing figured out. I'd love a little Bible knowledge, like some friends. This would be cool. I got this thing in this area in my life that I would really love to get a grip on. Maybe my marriage is in shambles or this, that, and the other. And what I need to figure out is I need to get this. And Jesus is like, that's great. I'm so glad. This is awesome. But where we're going is forgiveness. And, and, and we think that we need to go somewhere else. Christianity starts there, it continues there, and it ends there. This isn't optional for what Jesus is doing. And that's a big deal for us to understand. But I think as we're talking about this, and I've learned this, I've taught this before, I've learned this from somebody else. When we talk about forgiveness, I think it's grossly misunderstood in the church, okay? So, probably good intentions probably hallmark, okay, sorry ladies, all right, but it's stuff like that has crept in and it's like, oh, well that must be Christian. No, okay. So I think before we define what we're commanded to do, we should probably figure out what it's not, okay. So this is six things that forgiveness is not, all right. So the first thing is this, um, forgiving is not forgetting, you love the tension in the room, right? Because you're like, no, uh-uh. There in the Bible, it says something like, uh, God helps those who help themselves and uh, forgive and forget. Um, yeah, I'll wait while you give me that verse, okay? Chapter and, and verse, please, all right? Um, God saves the helpless. That's the gospel, not those who help themselves. That's actually Benjamin Franklin is the quote to that, okay? And that crept in as Bible somehow. The Bible teaches that God in his omnipotence and in his power is able to cast your sins as far as the east is from the west. That's God, not you, okay? And some of us were assaulted. And had grievous sins against us. And somebody, and I hope with good intention, says, well, you know, just forgive and forget. And you felt so much guilt because you thought you could never offer forgiveness. Now, we're going to learn in just a moment that there's a choice. But please, be free of the guilt. That's not what that is. The second thing is this. Forgiving is not immediately trusting. Goodness gracious. Okay? Okay? Um, some of you grew up in a home where you were assaulted by your parents and now you have kids and the question is, can the kids stay the night at the grandparents' house? Absolutely not. No. Because trust is built slowly and then lost quickly. Okay? So it's not this idea and some of us are in abusive relationships and it's constant, constant hurt, constant sinning against, intentional, grotesque type sinning. And then it's crocodile tears, and then it's I'm so sorry, and then it's again, okay? So forgiveness is not immediately trusting. The third thing is this. Forgiving is not foregoing consequences, right? So some of us know this who were like saved from some stuff, okay? Um, Like we have a past, right, right? And um, I'm I'm in that club, right? I mean, like grew up in a you know as a preacher's kid, but I got to see um, I got to do prison ministry on the inside before I was ever even saved, okay? And so all this stuff, and um, a lot of times what happens from somebody who struggled with addiction or stuff like that, they've lived a certain way for so long. Meet Christ and praise God this forgiveness. And now when God looks at you, he doesn't see your past. He sees Christ. And so all of these verses like, therefore for our sake, for him who became sin, him who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. Oh man, these verses we live for. But then we have to deal with the consequences of the lifestyle we lived, And then we'll be very quick to say things like, why is God doing this to me? Well, Well, first off, you drank 13 beers and got in your car. Okay, God didn't do that to you, okay? Secondly, um, you know, I'm saved, I'm now a Christian, and um, I'm in all this debt. Yeah, because you went to JCPenney and bought the house, right? I mean, like, so listen, there's consequences that happen from our earthly choices. We are eternally forgiven in Christ but choices have consequences. And so justice is a theme of the Bible. So listen, we say this all the time. You can forgive someone, you can love Christ, and you can call Popper Bluff to a police department on them in a heartbeat, okay? And that's A-okay. Because forgiving is not foregoing consequences. And then the next thing is this. Forgiving is not a one-time thing. Here's what we're going to learn. There's a choice that we can make. And there's a crisis that happens today. Hey, all cards on the table. You're going to be presented with a crisis. And when that crisis happens, you have a choice. Will I make the step down the path of forgiveness or will I still harbor bitterness? But there will be days when you wake up and you look at your spouse and that affair is as fresh as if it happened Yesterday. And guess what? You'll have a choice to make. It's not just a one time thing. The next thing is this forgiving is not waiting on an apology. Right? That one stung a little, right? Didn't it? Well, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know what their problem is, but I am totally ready to make this relationship work. All I'm waiting on is for them to show up at my doorstep, tell me everything that they did wrong, and that they'll never do it again. Okay, first off, you're not fine, okay? Maybe a little psycho, but that's okay. That's a different sermon, all right? Um, hey, Jason, where are you getting that from? Well, um, everything that we believe here comes from the gospel, the good news. And question, did God wait for you to apologize before he sent Christ? No, for while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While those of you who were dead in your trespasses and sins, God made a life together with Christ. It's for by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing, but it is a gift of God so that no man may boast. It's not waiting on an apology. If anything, forgiveness is initiation. But then the last thing is this. Forgiving is not always reconciliation. This is tough, okay? You know why? Why? Reconciliation requires two parties. Hey, Jason, where are you getting that from? Hey, where do we get stuff from again? I just said it. The gospel, okay, right? So listen, reconciliation, when it says in the Bible that God in Christ has reconciled us, that's two parties. That's God working through Jesus Christ to bring us back to God because sin separates relationships. Forgiveness involves one person. And that's you. Reconciliation involves the other party as well. And there's a book that I would highly recommend for those of us who are dealing with this. I read this years ago, and it's by R.T. Kendall. It's called Total Forgiveness. This guy was pastor at Westminster Chapel for 25 years, more degrees than Fahrenheit, and he counseled probably 1,000 couples. It's just incredible. But he talks about boots on the ground as to what it looks like if we're trying to restore this relationship and he says there's some degrees of forgiveness here. The first one is this. He calls it detached forgiveness, where the choice has been made to forgive, the hurt is a little bit less, but there's absolutely no reconciliation. And he says in the book, oftentimes this happens with a family member or a parent or a spouse who's died. Because you you go to the headstone and, You have to lay that thing down. There's forgiveness there, but but there can never be reconciliation. Detached forgiveness. The second one is this, what he calls limited forgiveness. I don't like the word limited. I don't really agree with that. But what he says is that the choice of forgiveness has been made. The hurt is a little bit less. But the way that this relationship is going to come together, it's going to have barriers maybe because of the trust issues or the grievous sins that were committed. So we're working on it, but there's also barriers in order for us to be safe together. And then the last one he calls total forgiveness, which is where the choice of forgiveness has been made, and now the relationship is is restored. He says that couples and families that go through this process and reach total forgiveness, their marriages and their families are stronger than they have ever been. That's good news, isn't it? That's really good news. But I think that's helpful for those of us who we know the mandate is to forgive. We know what it's not. But man, this, this thing's messy, right? Families are messy. I mean, we're, let's just be honest. All of us could be on the Springer Show, right? I mean, don't, right? don't cast no stones, okay? And we're trying to deal with my dad and then my mom and now we got the, and then, but this. um, So we know what it isn't. We know that it's a command. So what is forgiveness? What is it? How can we define it? Well, um, I think that we should let the Bible define it for us. Um, There's a lot of options out there. Love Dr. Phil, Oprah, she's cool. Um, Don't really care what they have to say about this topic. Um, I want to know what God has said about the topic. And in Colossians, we see one of the most clear pictures of what forgiveness is. And the Apostle Paul in the same book says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive life together. Hey, question, who made you alive? Yeah, um, hold up the universal symbol of how much of a part you had to play in that. Nothing. God made you alive together. That's the good news of Christianity, man. That it's not based upon your performance, but it's based upon what God in Christ has already done for you. That God has made us alive together with him. Here it is. Having forgiven us. Oof, we got to say this word out loud together, okay? Are you ready? It's going to be tough. Having forgiven us All our trespasses. Well, how'd you do that, God? How did you forgive all of our trespasses? Glad you asked. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. That's still not an explanation. How did you do that? How did you cancel the debt that stood against us with its legal demands? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness. Forgiveness is the choice. It's a choice. It is not a feeling. Forgiveness is granted before it is ever felt, okay? And in this day and age, we need sunshine and rainbows and fairy dust in order to offer stuff. And the Bible would have a lot to say about that. Forgiveness is a choice to cancel the debt fully, freely, forever. Because that's how God in Christ forgives us. It's a choice to cancel the debt. Jason, why do you say debt? Well, let's use this as an example, okay? Um, there's a payment there in the verse, nailing it. There's, there's blood. There's, there's a debt. In forgiveness, someone has to pay. So um, if you were to come over to the Jordan house, you were to hang out for an evening. Um, The odds of you getting shot in the face with a Nerf dart are 100% with my kids, okay? Seven, five, and three, it is a war zone in our house, all right? You step in, and you better have your game face on, all right? So you're hanging out, and you're playing Nerf guns, and you knock over the lamp, all right? Um, We got a situation here, okay? Um, The lamp has been broken. Now, there's a debt. There's an option. It can be said, hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We'll, we will replace the lamp. Or, um, hey, buddy, she knocked over the lamp. Okay, we're gonna need some uh, Benjamin Franklins for you. I'm just kidding. I don't have a hundred-dollar lamp in my house. I have no idea. Here's what I'm saying: when something is broken and there's been hurt, someone has to pay. Bitterness is holding on to the fact and punishing that individual to make them pay forgiveness as Tim Keller says is absorbing the debt it's absorbing the blow because that's what I see God in Christ has done that there was a debt the breath in our lungs is what we are owed to God but that we chose to be God rather than worship God So there's a debt that must be paid and God in his riches and kindness and his mercy towards us in Christ passed over that debt by Jesus paying it and absorbing it. That is the gospel motivation for that. That is a tough definition to work with. And I love what C.S. Lewis says. He says, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. Love it. Forgiveness makes the world go round. Think it's great. Think it's good for you. Think it's good for you. Think it's good for you. I even think it's good for me. I just don't want to do it. And you know why? You know why? Because you got the question. It's okay. You can argue with this preacher. It's fine. Here's the question When will justice happen? What it sounds like you're telling me, preacher, is that just because I'm a Christian, I'm a doormat. And I let everybody walk over me because it's a nice thing to do because God in Christ has forgiven you. And there's some real crime done. And there's some real hurt done here. And what I want to know is who makes it right? Um, The Bible actually talks about that. And the Apostle Paul writing to another church says this, Repay no evil for evil but give thought to do what is honorable on the side of all. Here it is. Romans 12:18 is one I put to memory. If possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all. So let's just break that down. I spent 2 years meditating on that verse. If possible. What does that mean? There's a possibility this might not work out, okay? All right, so All right, we can, we agree with that. The Bible's very real, okay? If possible, but here's where it changes. As much as depends on them, right? Mm, That's what we would love for it to say. As much as depends on you. Like, what if we approached every situation in our family, man, because we know about Uncle Bill and Aunt and Mom and Dad, if they understood and got it together and what depends on them, and if they live peacefully with all. But it's okay. You can still ask the question because it's almost like the Apostle Paul knew what was coming because he says this, beloved, Never avenge yourselves. I mean, it was almost like he knew verse 18 was gonna catch some flack when that was read, right? If possible, as much as depends on you, live peacefully with all, right? That's great. But a riot was about to break out. So he says, beloved, beloved, calm down, calm down. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay says the Lord. I heard Adrian Rogers say one time, um, don't get between the hammer and the work on that one. Because listen to me, there will be a day Jesus Christ came as a lamb once. And when he comes again, he will be the lion of Judah. And Revelation says that his white robe will be dipped in blood. And from his mouth comes a sword by which he judges the nations. And every wrong Every wrong that has ever happened and every injustice will be made right. And that day is coming. And for us as Christians, we do not sit upon that throne, but rather we pray what the early church prayed, Maranatha, Lord Jesus Christ, come quickly. And when we see the mass murders In the innocent lives taken and the distortion of God's word, the Bible says that humanity is storing up wrath for itself. And this is not a popular message, and you're not going to love this, but I'm more afraid of God than I am of you because this is a fact. And it's the only hope that we have. The only hope that we have for this type of forgiveness in order to be offered is to go, that vengeance is not mine, but it is God's. Because who am I? Forgiveness is the choice to fully and freely and forever cancel the debt that is owed. That's the command, that's the mandate. But I know what you need. We need a motivation, right? I mean, that's a command and that's heavy and whatever. And he tells us, he says, it's not just the mandate. He says this, as the Lord has forgiven you, there's the motivation. Yes, it's a command, right? So whenever you go, like I'm going to give you a little insider secret, Bible school, seminary, pay thousands of dollars, I'm going to give it for free right here. There's a thing in the Bible that's called an imperative and an indicative. Most of us, most of us grew up where it was only indicative preaching, meaning don't drink, cuss, or chew, or go with girls that do. Okay, don't do this, don't do that. See, the Bible says, the Bible says, the Bible says, don't do this. The problem is, is an indicative never comes without an imperative. The imperative is why you should do something. The indicative is what you should do. Forgive, it is a command. But, but, the well that you pull from of forgiveness is the forgiveness that God has given you. And if you don't have that, all you have is behavior. And it'll never work. It'll never work. So I have to ask you today, do you know the sweetness and the kindness and the beauty and the forgiveness and the peace and the joy that comes with Jesus Christ? Do you know Christ? Do you listen? Peace is not a place, it's a person. Forgiveness is not a principle, it's a person. And do you know Jesus Christ? No, no, I'm not saying I know your grandmama and I know your granny and I know your boo boo and I know they took you to church growing up. And every time you think about church and every time you think about Jesus, you think about your grandmama and you think about, but listen, I'm not saying do you know that Jesus. I'm saying do you know the Jesus of the scriptures? In a personal relationship with yourself, because here's why I think some of us struggle, and this is where rubber meets the road. You can't offer what you don't have. And many of us would claim and call ourselves Christians because we grew up in Butler County, and I don't know. I just you know did the, I was there, and then the Easter, and yeah. I mean I don't yeah right. I don't know. But in all reality, we don't know the grace and the mercy and the sweetness of Jesus Christ. Do you know Christ? Here's what I'm trying to say, and here's what Paul's saying. Forgiving people, they're forgiven people. Hurt people hurt people all the time. Because my family wasn't that growing up and my marriage wasn't this. And so I'm envious. And so what I will do is I will go around and spew the very venom in every relationship that was spewed on me. And bitter people hurt people. But if you spend time around someone who just seems, most of the time they're gonna have gray hair because it takes time. You don't get this degree on YouTube. You earn this in life, and the only path is through hurt. But if you spend time around someone who's quick to forgive, who's knowledgeable, who has healthy relationships, ask them what their story is, and it will be a story of hurt, of tragedy, but of healing and triumph all at the same time. Listen, forgiveness is the fuel that keeps the family moving forward. And so as we close today, I want to put Colossians chapter 2 back up there. I'm not going to use the other quote, but I just want to get straight to this. As I was spending time on this this week, I thought about the nail in that verse. Do you see it? you see the nail there in Colossians? This he set aside by nailing it to the cross. And it just made sense that when I have a choice to forgive most of the time what I want to do is I want to nail the offender to the cross because that's where justice takes place. But Colossians says that God stood in place of the offender, which was us. So today when we come forward for communion, what we have up here on the table is a bowl of nails. And maybe... uh, Maybe this Thanksgiving, maybe you need to put this in your pocket. Maybe you need to keep this at the table. But the reason why you're taking the nail today is not to use it, not to use it. But may this be a physical symbol of the choice that you're making today. Some of us even have the right. Some of us even have the right. But in all reality, what we see in the gospel is, is that put on love, for this binds together all things. All things. And so what you're going to do is you're going to keep this nail. And every time that that hurt and that unforgiveness rises, I want you to go back to this moment. And I want you to remember how God in Christ has forgiven us. Because it's by grace that we are saved. Listen, do you know what's going to keep your family moving forward? It's forgiveness. Do you know what's going to change this holiday season? It's forgiveness. And so as we come forward for communion, you'll pick this up and remember, this is not something that I use. This is a reminder to know that I myself am forgiven. So Westside, stand to your feet and let us pray how Jesus taught us to pray. And may we say the phrase about forgiveness differently today. Westside, lift your voices out loud and let us pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Heavenly Father, we come before you today in Holy Spirit. We ask that it can only be through your might and through your power that maybe a family changes today, that a family that was broke down and on the side of the road and we've been in this spot forever and for years and we've never moved forward. May today the forgiveness that is found in Christ be sweet and may that be the fuel in the tank that would move a family forward. God, As we pick up these nails today, may we be reminded that no matter how much that we have offenders in our life, and how many debts that are owed to us, they pale in comparison to the debt in which we owe you. Yet we see your goodness and your kindness and your mercy absorbing the blow on the cross for our behalf. May this be a physical symbol symbol of a spiritual change in our life. We pray this all in the holy and in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you come forward and partake in the elements of communion today as you feel led?